Life is complex. Join us for the simple gifts of wisdom, love, and delight in the written word. The Life and Adventures of Robinson Crusoe by Daniel Defoe Chapter 6 Ill and Conscience-Stricken Part 2 Now, said I aloud, my dear father's words are come to pass. God's justice has overtaken me, and I have none to help or hear me. I rejected the voice of providence, which had mercifully put me in a posture or station of life wherein I might have been happy and easy, but I would neither see it myself nor learn to know the blessing of it from my parents. I left them to mourn over my folly, and now I am left to mourn under the consequences of it. I abused their help and assistance, who would have lifted me in the world, and would have made everything easy to me. And now I have difficulties to struggle with, too great for even nature itself to support, and no assistance, no help, no comfort, no advice. Then I cried out, Lord, be my help, for I am in great distress. This was the first prayer, if I may call it so that I had made for many years. But to return to my journal. June 28. Having been somewhat refreshed with the sleep I had had, and the fit being entirely off, I got up, and though the fright and terror of my dreams was very great, yet I considered that the fit of the ague would return again the next day, and now was my time to get something to refresh and support myself when I should be ill. And the first thing I did, I filled a large square case bottle with water, and set it upon my table, in reach of my bed, and to take off the chill or aguish disposition of the water, I put about a quarter of a pint of rum into it, and mixed them together. Then I got me a piece of the goat's flesh, and boiled it on the coals, but could eat very little. I walked about, but was very weak, and withal very sad and heavy-hearted, under a sense of my miserable condition, dreading the return of my distemper the next day. At night I made my supper of three of the turtle's eggs, which I roasted in the ashes, and ate, as we call it, in the shell. And this was the first bit of meat I had ever asked God's blessing to, that I could remember in my whole life. After I had eaten I tried to walk, but found myself so weak that I could hardly carry a gun, for I never went out without that. So I went but a little way, and sat down upon the ground, looking out upon the sea, which was just before me, and very calm, and smooth. As I sat here, some such thoughts as these occurred to me. What is this earth and sea, of which I have seen so much? Whence is it produced? And what am I, and all the other creatures wild and tame, human and brutal? Whence are we? Sure we are all made by some secret power, who formed the earth and sea, the air and sky. And who is that? Then it followed most naturally. It is God that has made all. Well, but then it came on strangely. If God has made all these things, he guides and governs them all, and all things that concern them. For the power that could make all things must certainly have power to guide and direct them. If so, nothing can happen in the great circuit of his works, either without his knowledge or appointment. And if nothing happens without his knowledge, he knows that I am here, and am in this dreadful condition. 
and am in this dreadful condition. And if nothing happens without his appointment, he has appointed all this to befall me. Nothing occurred to my thought to contradict any of these conclusions, and therefore it rested upon me with the greater force that it must needs be that God had appointed all this to befall me, that I was brought into this miserable circumstance by his direction, he having the sole power, not of me only, but of everything that happened in the world. Immediately it followed, Why has God done this to me? What have I done to be thus used? My conscience presently checked me in that inquiry, as if I had blasphemed, and methought it spoke to me like a voice. Wretch! Dost thou ask what thou hast done? Look back upon a dreadful misspent life, and ask thyself what thou hast not done. Ask why is it that thou wert not long ago destroyed? Why wert thou not drowned in Yarmouth Roads, killed in the fight when the ship was taken by the Sally Man of War? devoured by the wild beasts on the coast of Africa, or drowned here, when all the crew perished but thyself. Dost thou ask, what have I done? I was struck dumb with these reflections, as one astonished, and had not a word to say. No, not to answer to myself, but rose up pensive and sad, walked back to my retreat, and went up over my wall, as if I had been going to bed. But my thoughts were sadly disturbed, and I had no inclination to sleep. So I sat down in my chair and lighted my lamp, for it began to be dark. Now, as the apprehension of the return of my distemper terrified me very much, it occurred to my thought that the Brazilians take no physic but their tobacco for almost all distempers. And I had a piece of a roll of tobacco in one of the chests, which was quite cured, and some also that was green, and not quite cured. I went, directed by heaven, no doubt, for in this chest I found a cure both for soul and body. I opened the chest and found what I looked for, the tobacco, and as the few books I had saved lay there too, I took out one of the Bibles which I mentioned before, and which to this time I had not found leisure or inclination to look into. I say, I took it out, and brought both that and the tobacco with me to the table. What use to make of the tobacco I knew not, in my distemper, or whether it was good for it or no, but I tried several experiments with it, as if I was resolved it should hit one way or other. I first took a piece of leaf, and chewed it in my mouth, which, indeed, at first almost stupefied my brain, the tobacco being green and strong, and that I had not been much used to. Then I took some and steeped it an hour or two in some rum, and resolved to take a dose of it when I lay down. And lastly, I burnt some upon a pan of coals, and held my nose close over the smoke of it as long as I could bear it, as well for the heat as almost for suffocation. In the interval of this operation, I took up the Bible and began to read. But my head was too much disturbed with the tobacco to bear reading, at least at that time. Only having opened the book casually, the first words that occurred to me were these, Call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. These words were very apt to my case, and made some impression upon my thoughts at the time of reading them, though not so much as they did afterwards. For, as for being delivered, the word had no sound, as I may say, to me. The thing was so remote, so impossible in my apprehension of things, 
that I began to say, as the children of Israel did when they were promised flesh to eat, Can God spread a table in the wilderness? So I began to say, Can God himself deliver me from this place? And as it was not for many years that any hopes appeared, this prevailed very often upon my thoughts. But, however, the words made a great impression upon me, and I mused upon them very often. It grew now late, and the tobacco had, as I said, dozed my head so much that I inclined to sleep. So I left my lamp burning in the cave, lest I should want anything in the night, and went to bed. But before I lay down, I did what I never had done all my life. I kneeled down and prayed to God to fulfill the promise to me that if I called upon him in the day of trouble, he would deliver me. After my broken and imperfect prayer was over, I drank the rum in which I had steeped the tobacco, which was so strong and rank of the tobacco that I could scarcely get it down. Immediately upon this I went to bed. I found presently it flew up into my head violently, but I fell into a sound sleep and waked no more till, by the sun, it must necessarily be three o'clock in the afternoon the next day. Nay, to this hour, I am partly of opinion that I slept all the next day and night, and till almost three the day after, for otherwise I know not how I should lose a day out of my reckoning in the days of the week, as it appeared some years after I had done. For if I had lost it by crossing and recrossing the line, I should have lost more than one day. But certainly I lost a day in my account, and never knew which way. Be that, however, one way or the other. When I awaked, I found myself exceedingly refreshed, and my spirits lively and cheerful. When I got up, I was stronger than I was the day before, and my stomach better, for I was hungry. And in short, I had no fit the next day, but continued much altered for the better. This was the twenty-ninth. The thirtieth was my well day, of course, and I went abroad with my gun, but did not care to travel too far. I killed a sea-fowl or two, something like a brand-goose, and brought them home, but was not very forward to eat them. So I ate some more of the turtle's eggs, which were very good. This evening I renewed the medicine, which I had supposed did me good the day before, the tobacco steeped in rum, only I did not take so much as before, nor did I chew any of the leaf, or hold my head over the smoke. However, I was not so well the next day, which was the first of July, as I hoped I should have been for I had a little space of the cold fit, but it was not much. July 2. I renewed the medicine all the three ways, and dosed myself with it as at first, and doubled the quantity which I drank. July 3. I missed the fit for good and all, though I did not recover my full strength for some weeks after. While I was thus gathering strength, my thoughts ran exceedingly upon this scripture, I will deliver thee and the impossibility of my deliverance lay much upon my mind, in bar of my ever expecting it. But as I was discouraging myself with such thoughts, it occurred to my mind that I poured so much upon my deliverance from the main affliction, that I disregarded the deliverance I had received, and I was, as it were, made to ask myself such questions as these. Namely, have I not been delivered, and wonderfully too, from sickness? from the most distressed condition that could be, and that was so frightful to me? And what notice had I taken of it? Had I done my part? God had delivered me, but I had not glorified him. That is to say, I had not owned and been thankful for that as a deliverance, and how could I expect greater deliverance? This touched my heart very much, 
and immediately I knelt down and gave God thanks aloud for my recovery from my sickness. July 4. In the morning I took the Bible, and beginning at the New Testament I began seriously to read it, and imposed upon myself to read a while every morning and every night, not tying myself to the number of chapters, but as long as my thoughts should engage me. It was not long after I set seriously to this work till I found my heart more deeply and sincerely affected with the wickedness of my past life. The impression of my dream revived, and the words, All these things have not brought thee to repentance, ran seriously through my thoughts. I was earnestly begging of God to give me repentance, when it happened providentially, the very day, that reading the scripture I came to these words, he is exalted a prince and a savior, to give repentance and to give remission. I threw down the book, and with my heart as well as my hands lifted up to heaven, in a kind of ecstasy of joy I cried aloud, Jesus, thou son of David, Jesus, thou exalted prince and savior, give me repentance. This was the first time I could say, in the true sense of the words, that I prayed in all my life. For now I prayed with a sense of my condition, and a true scripture view of hope, founded on the encouragement of the word of God. And from this time, I may say, I began to hope that God would hear me. Now I began to construe the words mentioned above. Call on me, and I will deliver thee, in a different sense from what I had ever done before. For then I had no notion of anything being called deliverance, but my being delivered from the captivity I was in. For though I was indeed at large in the place, yet the island was certainly a prison to me, and that in the worst sense of the word. But now I learned to take it in another sense. Now I look back upon my past life with such horror, and my sins appeared so dreadful, that my soul sought nothing of God but deliverance from the load of guilt that bore down all my comfort. As for my solitary life, it was nothing. I did not so much as pray to be delivered from it or think of it. It was all of no consideration in comparison to this. And I add this part here, to hint to whoever shall read it, that whenever they come to a true sense of things, they will find deliverance from sin a much greater blessing than deliverance from affliction. But leaving this part, I return to my journal. My condition began now to be, though not less miserable as to my way of living, yet much easier to my mind, and my thoughts being directed by a constant reading, the scripture and praying to God, to things of a higher nature. I had a great deal of comfort within, which till now I knew nothing of. Also, my health and strength returned. I bestirred myself to furnish myself with everything that I wanted, and make my way of living as regular as I could. From the 4th of July to the 14th, I was chiefly employed in walking about with my gun in my hand, a little and a little at a time, as a man that was gathering up his strength after a fit of sickness. For it is hardly to be imagined how long I was, and to what weakness I was reduced. The application which I made use of was perfectly new, and perhaps which had never cured an ague before. Neither can I recommend it to any practice by this experiment. And though it did carry off the fit, yet it rather contributed to weakening me, for I had frequent convulsions in my nerves and limbs for some time. I learned from it also this, in particular, that being abroad in the rainy season was the most pernicious thing to my health that could be, 
especially in those rains which came attended with storms and hurricanes of wind. For as the rain which came in the dry season was almost always accompanied with such storms, so I found that rain was much more dangerous than the rain which fell in September and October. Tis the gift to be simple. Tis the gift to be free. Tis the gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, twill be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend, we will not be ashamed. To turn, turn, will be our delight, till by turning, turning, we come round right. <laughs>